0: Let's get it going on the Lockdown Royals podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at RylanStyles. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Royals. On today's show, we're talking about Dayton Moore, his era. What lessons can be learned from the Kansas City Royals organization as they transition away from Dayton Moore and into a new era, a new GM? a new manager, a new coaching staff, what all can the Royals learn? We'll talk about all that coming up on today's Locked On Royals podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Royals podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Royals. Email the show, lockdownroyals at gmail.com. On today's show, we're going to dive into the Kansas City Royals and what lessons they can learn from the past with Dayton Moore and what they can take moving forward with their new operation. I want to thank you so much for making Lockdown Royals your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Royals baseball. For your second listen, stay on the Lockdown Podcast Network and go check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast because they have you covered this year with every single vantage point and every single storyline from every single major sport so today they'll be talking world series life in the nba and of course getting you set for another week of football both college and pro loaded show today for Pete Bukowski and the lockdown sports today podcast so go check that out as well now we are going to dive into like i said the royals and dayton moore i don't think that the royals and dayton moore's partnership was all bad i also don't think it was all good i think that we should view this this tenure on this podcast as realistically as possible. Uh, obviously there's always going to be bias and there's always going to be people who are anti-Date more, pro-Date more, to the point where they are just stuck in their own beliefs and their own kind of opinions. For me personally, um, I was never just enthralled with Dayton Moore to be t- totally honest. But I think that he provided both do's and don'ts for the long term of this organization. I think that the the biggest do he provided, like what what the Royals should continue moving forward, is the Royals should continue having a great relationship with the city, with the fan base, and with their players. That is the one thing that the Royals have thrived at ever since Dayton Moore took over was they're well-respected players view that they've been treated fairly by the Royals and um, that this is a comfortable environment to work in and to uh, play for. And they like their time here, even though uh, a lot of them of course never experienced winning in Kansas city. The quality of life was there. There is a, a spot for that right now. I've, I've said before I, if that's what you're very, very best at and you're not good at the baseball side of things, well, then you should go be a community outreach leader, which is what I think uh, Dayton Moore is more suited for. So the Royals have to find a balance there. They do need to keep that community outreach thriving, as well as keeping it a great place for players to play and, and, and one that agents don't look down upon. Because while the Royals are never going to get the, the top of the line free agents, right? Aaron Judge won't even take a meeting with Kansas City this offseason. What they can do is develop that good rapport with agents. And so, guys who still have something to give, but are maybe on the back end of their career, or they're still talented, but looking for that bounce back destination, will sign in Kansas City to where you get Michael A. Taylor in free agency through his agent. And Michael A. Taylor, you know, despite the Thunder, the, the, the world is not winning during this time, Michael A. Taylor. Still had two of his best years in Kansas City, like two of the best years of his career in Kansas City. Uh, Kendrys Morales, another guy uh, that was looking for a bounce back shot, uh, took it with the Royals, and of course was a pivotal part in uh, the world, the World Series and and winning a championship. So there's a lot here to digest of like what good and bad that Dayton Moore did in Kansas City. I think that the only glaring, like just totally negative. Aspect of Dayton Moore's tenure was the fact that he built a historic minor league system that everyone agreed was the top prospect system in baseball, the top farm system in baseball. And yet to show for it, there's only two playoff appearances in a nice 2013 season and an okay, you know, 2016 season. That's all you have to show for for building up that historic. Prospect capital, that historic prospect currency, which is the currency of, you know, baseball, especially in a small market. So, whenever I look at that, right, and I look at the pros and cons to Dayton Moore, I think that the biggest con is you have to treat this more like a business. You do. You you can't hold on to guys too long. You need to trade them when the getting's good, so to say. And I think that one of the primal examples of that was with Merrifield. And I think that you can't also you also can't kind of get too attached, which I think the Dayton More day a little bit. This is all of course speculatory. But I I think that whenever you're so close to something or someone or a team or whatever, right? If you're working with the Royals day in and day out. And you're seeing them practice and play hard and practice and, you know, take ground balls efficiently. And you're seeing them in in Surprise, Arizona, putting in the work to make their dreams a reality. Seeing all of that, being so close to them, and then getting to know them personally, you want it so bad for them that that, that they be good, that they experience, you know, they experience winning, they experience good times, a good career, everything. You've grown so attached to them that you get kind of blinded. And I think that you know, if, if you're if you're speculating here, the biggest con for Dayton Moore is that he got blinded a lot. There's no good reason that the Royals didn't trade Whit Merrifield two years ago, three years ago. The only reason is that you know Dayton Moore always felt like, hey, you know, th- th- we're close, we're close, we're close. When in reality, they've gotten worse and worse and worse, and they, they weren't close. But in the moment, it feels like, okay, Hunter Dozier, he's going to break out. In the moment, it feels like okay, we've got Papua Junior. He's going to come on burst on the scene, be All Stars' first year, and we're, we're close. We're close. In the moment, it feels like hey, we've got all these young pitchers. They're eventually going to, you know, get called up, and, and they're going to hit the ground running and be awesome. Like in the moment, it, it feels differently than whenever you have the, the the privilege of hindsight. So I think that that's important too. I think that that is a um, huge part of it. Right, is getting too attached. You need to find that healthy balance of being open and being there for your players if you're in that position, but also not being afraid of that bond breaking by trading them or, you know, sitting them down or whatever the case is. And on one hand, it's good to give players a long leash to develop and to show themselves and prove themselves. But on the other hand, in a small market especially, you don't have that luxury, right? Like your only way to improve your team is through the draft and through trades. You're not going to sign a free agent that's going to have any impact on your on your roster in a, in a massive way, right? They can they can improve on the margins, right? But when I say massive way, well, you're not going to sign an all-star. You're not going to sign a multi-time all-star, a superstar player. To get one of those, you've got to draft well, you're going to push all your chips in and, and trade well. So, with trades, it's also not trading just for a super short. It's trading for prospects who eventually turn into cult heroes and great players. And maybe that's also a way to find talent in the margin, of course, of, of trading for prospects who maybe you see something in that, that other teams don't. I mean, how many times have the Rays had, you know, Guys come out of nowhere, where, like, Randy Rosarena, you know, comes out of nowhere and is a World Series hero and now is an awesome player. That's how you win in small markets. How many times have the Indians, you know, the Guardians just pooped out players and and, and pitchers, primarily, for the Guardians? That is kind of the the destination point for the Royals that they need to get to we'll talk more about that coming up but first I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Roan Roan is incredible remember that you are a great incredible person business person lively person and a person who needs great incredible clothes look we all have a chaotic lifestyle at times, right? Where maybe one second you're in a in a business meeting, but the next second you want to go play some pickup basketball, and the next second you're going to wrangle kids around, and the next second you want to take on to a you know a a, a excursion at at a fancy restaurant or something. And we know that with that chaotic lifestyle, it's hard to change clothes for each and every occasion. That is going to be very hard for you to do, but you still want to look your best at each and every occasion. Well, what if I told you that Roan is a clothing company that is going to be there for you, that has everything that you need. Mobility, it is a good look, it has odor-free tech that keeps away odors if you're sweating or something to that nature. Uh, Make sure you check out how versatile Roan is. And go right now to roan.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on. You'll have 20% off of your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order for their clothes at roan, R-H-O-N-E.com slash locked on. Use code locked on. They're going to help you find what you need with their incredible clothing line at Roan. Check it out today at roan.com slash locked on. Promo code locked on as well. We're back on the Lockdown Royals Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day, I'm your host, Ryland Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Royals. Email the show, Royals at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by our good friends over at own and also Lockdown Sports Today Podcast. And also, folks, across the parking lot is still in season. Go check out Lockdown Chiefs five days a week, talking about your Chiefs, they're going to get you set for this game uh, on Sunday, which is, hello folks, a game after a bye week, which Andy Reid is typically great in. It's a home game against the Titans, which you can go to in Kansas City. Go check it out today. Locked on Chiefs, getting you set for that primetime Sunday night football matchup. Now, so the do's and don'ts, right? The don'ts, I think, are easier to listen than the do's. Uh, Don't, Get too attached to players. Like, if you need to trade somebody, if you if you have value on the table, take it even though, hey, they might be a fan favorite. Hey, it might make fans kind of mad at the time. But you know what makes fans happy? Winning. You know what what, what winning is created from? Good trades and good draft picks. Trades are vital to make. Instead of just holding on to it, Merrifield, and them letting him, yeah, have two-hit wits. But it's in, you know, 80, 90, 100 lost seasons. Look, you you, you, you kind of... Forego that, right? Miss out on two hit wet extravaganza, and make your team better, instead of waiting and then trading with Merrifield whenever it wasn't. He's having a career low year and isn't in every statistical category, right? So you have that. They have to draft better. They just do. Like look at look at Dayton Moore's track record in the draft. It's awful. They have to have to have to draft better. And. I think that another don't would be kind of in the same nature of the trades, but don't get attached to a certain game plan. I would say maybe like be flexible. Like like it felt like Tate Moore wasn't very flexible. Like it felt like, okay, every year we're just gonna roll out Hunter Dozier, no matter how bad he is. Every year we're gonna call up Rhino O'Hearn, no matter how bad he is. Every year we're gonna call up uh, you know, Ryan McBroom, no matter how bad he is. And every year we're gonna only give Edward Livierous one little you know, opportunity and then take it away from him no matter how good he's playing. Like I felt like there was a, a very much structured plan that they would not deviate from whenever other whenever other opportunities or other uh, data points arose. Sometimes you gotta go with the flow. And maybe you wanna get you know you come into the year wanting to get a certain guy every day at bats an opportunity, but another guy is playing better than him. And so then that kind of Alters what you want to do, or what your plans are, or um, you know what your kind of you know what your kind of plan should be, so to say. So that's what I'm looking for. Now, I think that with the with the dues. I really enjoyed how much the Royals stayed out of scandals, how much the Royals, uh, you know, had that community bonding between the Royals in Kansas City. But also, again, as I mentioned in the first segment, how they kept up the reputation with them and, and agents by not dealing in arbitration that often. I believe it was, what, like the first time ever last offseason that the Royals and a player went to arbitration and, like, didn't settle beforehand or get an extension done to cancel out arbitration. Like, doing those things were all great Um, because, of course, it might not even be for that specific player, right? It might be, hey, we've got a B-tier player under this agency, but he's also going to have an A-plus player under his agency that eventually might need a new home, and they'll always remember how we took care of, you know, B-plus player. So you're know, looking at it from that vantage point, I think is awesome uh, for the Royals to continue to do that because w- why not? What's the alternative? Making agents mad to where, you know, even if you had a great team, they wouldn't want to send somebody to your team like that. That's not great either. It may not. It may never pay dividends. As it didn't really pay dividends for Dayton Moore, it may never pay dividends. But eventually, if you just somehow build a juggernaut team in Kansas City. You're gonna to want to have that luxury of maybe a guy on the back end of his, of his career that wants a championship ring. And will look at your team and say, "Look, they're true contenders. I'll take less because I know they're gonna do things the right way there. They're gonna treat me the right way there. It's, you know, things things like that were were things that I think Dayton Moore did really well. I think he did those really well. Uh, they didn't lead to a lot of winning, but they did a lot. He did that a lot of well, um, a lot of well. What, what does that even mean? Um, talking more about the Dayton Moore era. I, I think that this podcast will really put a closure on the Dayton Moore era, talking about lessons to learn. And moving forward, we'll talk about, one, what lessons can we learn from the playoffs? Uh, I think that these playoffs have been very eye-opening for what the Royals need to, to improve upon and need to do. But also, on Friday... I'm going to talk about where the organization sits. Now we've closed the chapter on Dayton Moore. But where, my thing is, we've closed the chapter on Dayton Moore. Now where do the Royals go from here? How are they viewed right now? Like, like, what should the expectations be for this season? And then how do they get where they want to go? Because Mr. Sherman has already made it very clear that the goal is to be perennial winners and not perennial losers, which they've been, you know, for the most part of my entire life. So how do they get there? How do they reach that mountaintop? We'll talk about moving forward on Friday. On Thursday, we'll talk about what these playoffs have shown is the pathway to building a contender in the modern era of baseball. And then next week, on Monday, I'm going to talk about the rule changes. I think that I, I genuinely believe that these rule changes can save baseball. Like, of course, if you, whenever you say that phrase... A lot of baseball fans get all up in arms, like, oh, it doesn't need saving, like, um, you know, it's still a great sport, And, and obviously I agree with you, it's a great sport, but I think that what it can do in terms of saving baseball, isn't as dramatic as it sounds, it's just, what I'm meaning by that is just getting back the casual fans getting back to casual fans that would only watch the playoffs and then maybe watch a few games on prime time, you know, Sunday night baseball or uh, a Monday night whenever nothing else is happening. And in, in the summertime, like getting back those kind of fans, I think can happen. Um, I think that that can happen with these rule changes. And we'll talk about that uh, coming up as well. So it's going to be a very fun episode, very fun week. Subscribe for free ac- across all podcasting platforms. So you never miss an episode. And until next time, be good and be good to one another.